So I'd like to pick up when you spoke about blame, you know, because blame is, as I see it, is, is an avoidance of growth, really. You know, it's putting, you know, putting judgment onto a certain tiny thing, you know, within a much bigger context, and and just you know fixating on that rather than really asking yourself, you know, what 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 does the situation, you know, what quality am I challenged in the situation to develop? You know, is it patience? Is it you know perseverance? Is it uh, loving kindness? So it's it's very much about you know kind of turning back to yourself and it doesn't mean you become doormats for other people but it's it's about um, you know seeing things in a, in, a, in a bigger context and as I said before the, the teaching of the Buddha and actually all spiritual teachings are about you know giving us that bigger context which in which we can you know start to see our experience in that bigger context and then you know, it takes out some of the the stress really for us because we we see, you know, that it's not all about us. It's not all about us, me and my feelings and me and my world, but the world is much bigger. And, you know, we tend to uh, get stuck in our perceptions, which are all habitually, you know, built up over a long, long time. and very often, you know, they have very little to do with the truth because they are our projections, really. What we experience is our projection onto what's happening. And, you know, we can sometimes feel offended by just like a slight body movement somebody makes because we, we take a whole story on it or like a certain tone of voice which somebody has because it reminds us of something. It can be very, very small elements, but because if we have some like, emotional unresolved issues in that area, it can really you know, kick off a very big reaction in us. And then if we go into blaming, because we don't want to actually deal with the feelings which are triggered in our system, then you know we're gonna kind of make more out of those patterns and you know just we're going to become more and more imprisoned in our past really and, and the teaching is you know it's a set of, of instructions which help us you know to break out from the past into the present because that's where we have agency you know in the present we can make choices we can't make choices about the past anymore because this has gone the future has not yet come but where we have agencies in the present moment. And in order to be maximally able to act, you know, skillfully, we have to really be fully here. And, you know, one way of, uh, of gauging, you know, what's skillful and unskillful is, you know, if we put ourselves into the shoes of someone else, you know, thinking, how would I like to be spoken to about this? that's a very simple you know handy uh, tool to have uh, which you always can do you know just put yourself into the shoes of somebody else and uh, I think you know we as human beings what we all really want is 
if we are reasonably healthy, of course, you know, we want to live in harmony with others. So, you know, to use speech in that way to protect and to, to create harmony, I think that's, that's a very good um, theme, you know, to contemplate. And, you know, harmony, we can speak about harmony, you know, on, on, on there's different levels of harmony. It's, you know, we can say, you know, it's, you know, the five precepts Ayasintusika uh, was mentioning before. There's one of the precepts is about um, right speech or wise speech, which is, you know, four different kinds of speech the Buddha, you know, instructs us not to engage in because they tend to lead to unskillful um, situations or unskillful results. And uh, I've written them down. First one would be lying, you know, to a conscious lie. And it's considered, you know, in the, according to the teaching, uh, lying is considered, you know, somebody, the Buddha was instructing his own son, Rahula, that's one of the, the suttas about where he says, you know, somebody who is lying, you know, is able to, you know, if somebody kind of trains themselves in lying, they are able, you know, to break all precepts. So, you know, to kind of really watch that, even, you know, what we call like white lies, to really watch the intention behind it. Second one is divisive speech, you know, to kind of speak badly about somebody to someone else and, you know, break up friendships. The, the third one is uh, abusive speech, harsh speech, you know, speech in anger. And the fourth one is idle chatter. You know, like, uh, um, what could be another word for that? Gossip. Gossip. Gossip what? is the right word, yeah. Gossip. So this is the four kinds of speech, you know, which are considered to be unskillful and re lead to unskillful results. And uh, so, and, the, and those levels, you know, on which we can, you know, create results. There's the, the first one is the the level on the level of of society, you know, of uh, you know, of the group we live in, the family, the workplace, the friends. So there's, you know, how we go about speaking there that sets a tone, you know, what relationships we're going to develop over time. And then, you know, if we do certain unskillful patterns again and again, we develop a certain reputation, then people meet us in that way. We feel that, feel offended about it. So, you know, it can set up a whole, you know, wheel of uh, unskillful uh, circumstances for us, you know, where we then feel already afraid you know, if we go somewhere because we know we have been you know losing it two or three times and now we know that person is actually you know on their toes when they meet us so what kind of a feeling does that give to us you know so that so how we are you know um, developing speech on a level of uh, relating to other people then the next level is you know the inner experience so, you know, how do we, you know, speak to ourselves, what Melissa mentioned before, I think that's very important, you know, like, 
the inner critic, you know, the kind of inter internal internalized parent, the super ego, we have it sometimes called. You know, if we have a very harsh internal parent, a super ego, we also tend to be very harsh judges on others. So, you know, what we do to ourselves, we tend to do to others because it is our second nature. So very important, you know, to watch how we speak to ourselves. And also, you know, watching that if we have been, you know, speaking unskillfully, the remorse and the regret, you know, which can come up. And sometimes, you know, even, you know, like feelings of guilt, which is not, you know, necessarily a skillful way of relating to oneself. This is just another version, you know, of superego. But to just watch that, you know, what high cost it has, actually, if you lash out in anger because you feel like you just want to pass on that painful energy. It just jumps out of your mouth and you just throw it at someone else. Because there's the unwillingness you know, of being with the challenging energy which might just you know, be racing to your system and you just want to just spit it out. We can really watch it as a, as a visceral experience, you know. But then if we can just, you know, hold that energy just a little bit longer, a little bit longer, it starts to transform. And that's what the practice is all about, you know, to develop the capacity to hold steady with the experience and transforming, transformation is the result. And the whole practice is all about that, you know, it's all about transforming the raw material of our experience into wisdom and compassion. And for that, we have to stay steady with our experience. You know, and not suppressing it and not necessarily expressing it, but, you know, being aware of it and then choosing how we're going to act on it. So suppression is, is, is one danger, you know, and explosion or unskillful expression is the other one. And we find the middle way and the Buddha's teaching is all about, you know, that middle way between extremes. That was what originally really attracted me very much to the teaching because I found it as such a skillful way, you know, of living a life. I've never thought of it before took me a long time and lots of suffering, you know, until I was in my late 20s that I hit the path, basically. And as you also said, you know, realized I don't have to act <laughs> on all of my feelings because they are impermanent. I mean, that was like kind of, wow, <laughs> never thought about that before. I just thought it was, you know, the best thing was to just get it all out, you know. So and it, and it's work in progress still, of course, but I've benefited a great deal, you know, from uh, having lost my fear of my feelings, you know. And uh, the next level, so the first one was the social level of how we use speech. The ne next one is the psychological level, the inner level. The next one is, you know, understanding the power of karma 
Sandusika mentioned that before, and karma, you know, in the Buddhist context, doesn't mean fate or destiny or anything like that. It simply means action with intention. That's what karma is. So any actions with intention has a fruit. Action without intention does not have fruit. So stepping on a snail, you know, unintentionally because it's dark and you have been maybe quickly or not doing something that is maybe unfortunate, you know, but you wouldn't have any karmic repercussions from that other than maybe like feeling regretful and then next time you might, you know, take a flashlight or get up a little bit earlier so you don't have to rush. So you still learn from that. But if, if you know, we would intentionally, for example, you know, speak divisively about somebody, about somebody else, that has repercussions. And generally repercussions is such like that at one time, you know, it will come back to us and we experience a similar result as what we have been producing, you know, for someone else. So once we understand that law of karma, then you know there's much more incentive for developing uh, mindfulness because we know it's not only about just simply you know keeping precepts, not harming others, but whenever we harm somebody else intentionally, we harm ourselves. That's a law of nature. That's an eternal law, and you know Buddha was uh, you know the first teacher who has been very clear about that, you know, karma is connected with intention. It has nothing to do with the result of our action. You know, if we, for example, you know, let's say we are in search and we want to help somebody uh, operate on that person with the intention of helping the person dies in the operation because of certain reasons, you know. If the intention was to save that life and the person dies, the intention is still good, you know, even the person is dead, the surgeon has still done a good deed. So that's very important, you know, it's not about the result of the actions which makes the karma, it's, it's the intention that's very important to understand that. Because if it wouldn't be like this, it would be much more difficult, you know, to actually have a practice which leads to the purification of, you know, our minds because we can not control the result of our actions, but we can certainly uh, become aware of the intention behind it. And uh, that's very important in, in the practice, you know, to ask ourselves, you know, before I'm going and saying something to somebody, you know, why do I think I have to say that now? Is that really, according to those five keys you mentioned, you know, is it timely? Is it beneficial? Is it truthful? Is it heart of loving kindness? Heart of loving kindness and um, beneficial, you said. Mm-hmm. Uh, gentle. Gentle, yeah. So, you know, we can stop and ask ourselves, and, you know, if it has already jumped out, we can apologize and then we can, you know, consider, we can contemplate why did that happen, you know, what was there so, such a strong trigger for myself, you know, that that happened. And then you get to know yourself also, you know, where is areas where you have to be especially careful, you know, or people you have to be especially careful with or situations, you know. You can protect yourself, you know. You can develop skillful means, you know, maybe 
certain places you don't go for a certain time until you feel stronger or you go with a friend or you know there's many different ways how you can uh, you know support yourself in uh, working yourself out of a certain habit so the social level the psychological level the karmic level and then last but not least and most important of all of them is, is the spiritual level because it's really not about just you know being a good boy or being a good girl it's all about you know this teaching is all about liberation so it's you know all of those uh, suggestions we are making you know in terms of precepts and in terms of you know looking at your inner life it's all about in the service of a full awakening really and um, You know, for that we have to really um, be willing to fully, you know, look at ourselves and and how we, you know, make mistakes, how we, you know, make do things, say things which are embarrassing, how we have regrets and remorse, and you know, not distract ourselves from those, because that's the only way, you know, how we can wake up. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's all about the purification of the mind, really. And the precepts, you know, and the meditation and all of the guidelines, they are all in the service of that. And, you know, sometimes we have to really turn around and meet our shadow, you know, go, go really deep into the darkness, you know, of our own hearts and minds and you know and not turn away from it that's very difficult but you know nobody ever you know has gotten anywhere you know with spiritual training without that uh, willingness you know to to meet yourself and to meet your really dark corners and uh, you know not turn away from it but just be there for yourself because you know if you really are able to be there for yourself with compassion and with wisdom you know only then can you really be there for others as well so you know there is no difference really because we we are so so um, similar in so many ways you know the way how our bodies and minds and hearts how they work they are really the same it's just you know there are certain different habitual patterns but the laws of nature which govern us, they are the same for everybody. So you cannot, you know, really fully, um, you know, integrate all the suggestions we have been mentioning so far without really meeting yourself first completely, you know. Only then can you be really compassionate and understand, you know, where somebody else comes from and not feel that urge to it back you know because you know you know how it is for you and then there's no no more kind of wanting you know to throw something back at somebody else there's only compassion you know is there because you know how hard it is so you know to be aware of those different levels 
the social level, the psychological level, the karmic level. But now you know what is the most important level is, is really the spiritual level and you know liberation from all habitual patterns. You know of uh, you know interpreting reality and you know removing ourselves from reality and you know it's like we can compare it like with the the map and the territory the map is not the territory we can use the map you know to go into the territory so the same is you know the language the words they are not reality but we can use those words you know to um, express ourselves and to to show you know in the way we are speaking and in the way how we are relating we can show how deeply we have understood reality and and you know we can only really understand reality if we are seeing you know where we are misguided you know that's that's like the gate into the truth is to see, you know, where there is where there is suffering, to see where there is tension, to see where there is agitation, where all of the, you know, so-called afflictive emotions are stirred up. That's an entrance gate into reality. That's a wake-up call because if there's some tension, if there's some, you know, strong energy stirred up, we know that there is something there, you know, which is out of touch. And then we just have to go there and be with that and use that as a gateway into that, you know, which keeps us divorced from the way things really are and, and then go through that experience deeper, you know, and, and transform that. And, you know, using language skillfully is is a way, you know, how we can, for example, share the teachings, you know, without language, we would not be able to, you know, to meet and, and share anything. But at the same time, we know it's only pointers, you know, and if you don't bring it in your own experience in the meditation, it will not be there for you when you need it most, because you can't recall, you know, somebody steps on your toe and then, what did Ayasanta Chita say, what did Ayasanta Chita say, um, then do it, you know. It has to become part of your being so that you come from that you know, when when you're triggered. Because then there, it's too late already. You have to have, you know, you have to internalize it by by bringing it home into your own experience. And meditation is, is uh, I like to say, I like to call it technology. It's a technology, you know, for bringing the teaching from the head into the heart, you know, and then it's there for you when you need it. It becomes part of who you are and you know therefore silence is that you know which balances out language you know, they, they go together they are like uh, two sides of, the, of a coin and we need them both and do you really have that saying of Rumi I mentioned before that you know language is a tailor shop where nothing really fits perfectly you know if we know that then we are not so hung up you know if somebody says something and for example myself you know with my accent for example you know some people find it really kind of uh, 
difficult, you know, to get used to my accent. And, you know, in the beginning, I felt kind of felt hurt by that, you know. Because I thought, I do the best I can, you know, and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and, you know, why can't people not be a little bit more generous and so on and so forth? You know, I, I took it very personal. And, and, you know, now, you know, over the years, I have just been you know, sitting with that and 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 now I can see it, okay, this is how it is. You know, if somebody hears a certain accent for the first time, it's difficult for them, you know, to understand it. And then maybe they're really interested, they wanna hear the teachings and then they feel like it's a problem for them. And then I just, you know, put myself into the shoes of, of these people rather than feeling it's an assault against me, you know, and my capacity to you know, to be the what I want to be or what I think I need to be. So it's, it's you know, it's very simple how we can, uh, you know, put those teachings into practice. But what is not simple is, you know, to develop the capacity to be with the feelings and the emotions which get triggered. That's really, you know, where we have to work hard. As I said, it's going like in, going into the gym, you know, training the muscles of being able to contain the turmoil and you know letting it boil and then the transformation happens you know like when you put ingredients you know and then you cook something it all boils together and in the end you have a very nice nourishing meal the same it's with this raw material you know of the afflictive emotions if we can allow them to just boil without boiling over you know this energy becomes available as, as wisdom and compassion and we can use it, you know, to create harmony on those levels, social, psychological, karmic and spiritual. So that's what I wanted to speak about today and uh, now it's time. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.